at the Gospel of John, the 12th chapter, the 37th verse. A doctrine that is biblically taught that very few people dwell on. And I'm going to ask us to pray that God will help, help us to understand this amazing verse. Uh, because it is a powerful verse when you think about uh, the missionary from Peru, when you think about the lands of Russia or Burma, you think about uh, your own neighborhood, your own neighbors. Um, what is it that we are about? And I will sh hopefully show you what you are up against. And therefore, you must rest full weight on what God has provided. Let's pray. Father, we come to hear from you. Father, we care not for man's opinions, man's wisdom, man's insights. Father, but we want to know your thoughts. We want to know your purpose, your will. Father, we want to know the power that spoke existence into being. And Father, the privilege that we have to gather this day to look upon you and yet, Father, to understand your glory, your majesty, your exaltation, which is going forth in such a powerful way through individuals and through your precious bride, your church. Father, may we be found worthy. May we walk in a manner that brings glory solely to you. And Father, help us to see with the eyes of Christ. Help us decrease that you may increase to your glory and praise. Amen. Let's read the word of the Lord. John chapter 12, verse 37. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. This is the doctrine of unbelief. This is a doctrine that most people are very much unaware of. And it is a powerful, powerful truth that you deal with on a daily basis. Sometimes you will deal with it on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Let me tell you what Jesus has done. All right? <clears throat> this is what we call the Passion Week. He has entered into Jerusalem on Sunday. Upon entering Jerusalem, they laid palm branches and cloaks down as he entered on a donkey, the colt of a donkey. And they yelled and screamed, Hosanna in the highest, King David. They said, you are our Messiah. You are our King. You are what we have been all generations awaiting. He had taken residence with a family that you know in Bethany. And he would go back into town, into Jerusalem every day. Bethany is a stone's throw from the Temple Mount. And he'd taken residence with a family that you know, two young ladies that you know, Mary and Martha. But they had a small issue. Their precious dear brother had died. And yet it says that Jesus went to the tomb called Lazarus forth, and he came out of the tomb. Most commentaries, most theologians will tell you that there were probably roughly 25,000 witnesses to Lazarus coming out of the grave. Among them were the rulers of Jerusalem, the Sanhedrin. The word Sanhedrin is the council of the 70. They are the ones that shortly after this 
would condemn him to crucifixion. He had done nothing but preach the truth. He had done nothing but stop disease and death in Jerusalem. It had ceased. It's all gone. I don't care how old you were, how dead you were. I don't care how lame you were or how crippled you were. And he says, I only do these things for the Father who sent me. Their conclusion was, you're doing it by the power of the devil. That's brilliant, sir. And yet he has raised Lazarus from the grave to all of these witnesses. Nicodemus says, you've got to be of God. How else are you doing this? And yet their conclusion in chapter 12, verse 37 is this. They were not believing in him. They were not believing in him. Have you ever shared truth with loved ones, co-workers, and do it for no apparent reason? Have have you raised the dead? Okay. If Jesus can raise the dead and they're not believing, why would you be discouraged? Why would you be discouraged? We have never, ever been called to make converts. Did you know that? That's hard for us to understand. We have been called to sow the seed. Whatever the harvest is, he who gets credit for it. The Lord Savior does. And that's one of the things that I want to share with you. We are in an interesting age, an interesting age. Um, We have a possibility of taking over orphanages and drug rehabs in the lands of Russia because they've concluded that man's wisdom, psychology, and psychotherapy ain't working. And every time God is brought into the mix, for some reason, these people get fixed. Okay? That's a communist country. What have we done? What have we done? We've decided that we need trained professionals. Really? The Russian says, no, we think we need this supernatural movement of a spirit. They don't even understand it. They don't even know what it is. But you know what? We see the fruit of it. I find that amazing to me. But if I look at unbelief, especially in this verse, um, it's really not that complicated. Uh, you know what, I've, I've heard people say, well, your Christians are, uh, we don't have salvation, we are just in sales. Okay, God gives salvation, we just try to promote it. Okay, to advertise it, to show what it's about. And I think about the Lord Jesus in this, and all that he had done. And i got to be honest with you, there's a part of me looks at this and says, for no apparent reason. For no apparent reason. But if you look at unbelief, you can see it in three movements. It is very comprehensive. Okay? It is centered, and you'll, I'll show you this, and the cause of that unbelief. And that's what we're going to look at today. Because it's all packed right there in that text. All right? Unbelief. Why did this happen? Why did he walk on water? Why did he raise the dead? Why did he take the word of God and exalt it back to the place that God had originally tended it? Why would these men, these women who had the scripture, who studied the scripture, who understood the holiness of God, the power of God, the majesty of God, the grandeur of God, the exaltation of God, when they looked at God face to face, did not recognize him? Why? How is it that they can have the Bible 
and not see the God of the Bible. How can that happen? Well, look, read on what it says. Verse 38, this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah, the prophet, which spoke, the Lord who has believed our report. That was the question. Isaiah said, you sent me out here into this mess, and it seems that nobody's listening. Okay, Isaiah was saying, God is preparing to judge us. If we do not repent, we are going into captivity. And they all looked at Isaiah and said, shh, don't bother me. I'm busy. What are you, nuts? We're God's people. It ain't going to happen to us. And he says, who has heard us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And that's an amazing sign because he says, look, the movement of God has been revealed to us. And yet, why are we not hearing? Why why is not the nation hearing? And that was Isaiah's cry. And Jesus is saying, what I have done is to prove that. Nothing has changed, people. Nothing has changed. We've got to really grasp that in our society today. We believe that if we do this, or if we do this, or we do this, then surely they will come to salvation. Why? Why would you believe it would be different for you than it was for Christ? Why would it be different for you than it would be for Isaiah? We always are looking for a big movement. We like that. At Acts 2, went out, little bitty sermon, didn't take long, kind of ticked off some people. But hey, 3,000 people got saved. Make it a better sermon, a little smarter, get a little polished up a little more, stick that bugger out there. We got 5,000 saved. This is good. At the rate we're going, the whole universe should be saved by the end of the week. (laughs) Correct? How many of you have been successful that way? I've never been successful that way. But you know what I can say? The people that I've had the privilege of leading to Christ, none of them ever fell away. None of them ever fell away. Now, I I can count them on one hand. And I don't have to use all the fingers on one hand. But they never fell away. I have seen so many who go through and they make a profession of faith. And what happens? They walk away. They walk away. Why? Same thing is happening here. It happened to your Lord. It happened to your Savior. It happened to your Lord and your Savior on a scale that you and I can't even grasp. I mean... I am so thankful that I don't know the hearts of men. He knew their hearts. I mean, I don't know about you. Have you ever been discouraged serving the Lord? How would you like to do it if you knew the hearts of the men and the women that you were serving? They'd lock us all up. Why? I've never seen anybody that depressed in my life. And yet they did it to the Lord. Look what else he says here. For this reason, they would not believe for Isaiah again. He, who would be he here? God. God has blinded their eyes and God has hardened their heart so that they could not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted and I healed them. That's a nasty verse right there. That one there says God's grace stopped. Do you understand that? There is a degree where God says enough is enough. And people ask me, well, where is that? I don't know. I have no idea where it is. 
I don't know where it is. And I tell you what, I don't want to try to find out. Okay, how far can I push a holy God before he says enough is enough? That's scary to me. I don't know where that is. I mean, I think about Ananias and Sapphira. Well, they lied to the Holy Spirit. Anybody here lie to the Holy Spirit? Only when I'm awake. Right? And yet he doesn't strike us dead. Why not? I don't know. There is a limit, though. Please understand that. I don't know where it is. Okay? You know what? I'm not even sure I know what it looks like. But you know what? When the person crosses it, do you understand what happens? How comprehensive is unbelief? I am willing to look and to witness the mercy, the joy, the blessing, the eternal rewards, the privilege of a relationship with the Holy God. I am, my unbelief can overpower all of that and say, I could care less. I could care less. That is how comprehensive unbelief is. Let me tell you something. If you are saved today, You are a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not be discouraged. Be thankful. Rejoice that you even have the privilege to walk with him. You have the privilege to know him on an intimate relationship. And you know what? You may even get the privilege to touch one soul for eternity. You may get to touch a soul that will spend eternity with you in the glory of God, or you may get to touch a soul that condemns that soul for eternity to God's glory. You've got to grab a hold of this today. We don't understand this today. A soul that is condemned brings as much glory to God as a soul that is redeemed. If not, what was the ministry of Jeremiah? What was the ministry of Ezekiel? What was the ministry of Daniel? What was the ministry of Isaiah? You're saying that those men were failures. And that's wrong. That's wrong. Unbelief is so comprehensive that you and I do not understand what battle you are against. You don't understand that Christ himself walked among them and they would not believe. I've never healed anybody. I've never walked on water. That's not true. I went ice fishing a couple of years ago and we walked on water. But I thought it was overrated myself. I was like, you know, why would you want to stand on a big ice cube and try to catch a fish? Uh, But anyway, but, but that's the kind of stuff that we need to understand. Verse 37 says they were unbelievers. Verse 47 says, if anyone hears a saying and does not keep them, I do not judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Look what he says next. Verse 48, he who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him on the last day. You got that? You understand what he just said there? The word of the Lord is the judge. You hold the person's life to the word of the Lord. It isn't, how can I market it? How can I package it? 
It is bringing truth to bear. I shared with you the last time I got the privilege of sharing you with the word. It's the word of the Lord that only perfects the soul. It isn't marketing. It isn't manipulation. You bring the word to bear. Because you are fighting through something that is so comprehensive, there's only one way to get through it. Truth of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And there is no other way. There is no other way. Let's look at the second thing here. At the center of this, at the center of this, I touched at verse 48. Look at verse 48. He who rejects me does not receive my sayings as one who judges him. Which one is that? It'd be the word that I spoke is what will judge him in the last day. All right. What will judge? What, what is in a comprehensive unbelief, which is all unbelief, what is the center of it? First of all, they reject the word. They reject the word. Okay? Because see, what happens is when they reject the Bible, okay, here's what, here's, you get a hold of this. When they reject the Bible, they reject Christ. When they reject Christ, they reject God. You cannot separate the three. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Which Word is that? Is that the red letter revision? No, it's the 66 books that make up your Bible. Anytime I deal with a person who takes a passage of Scripture and tells me, well, that is cultural, or that is this, or that is that, and I don't believe that's exactly what he meant, or he didn't do this. You know what you're saying? I reject Christ. I reject Christ. That is the center of unbelief. I don't want it, is what they're saying. And it manifests itself. Why? Well, there's, you know, I like to have Jesus, you know, as the genie in a bottle. Pray three times, get my little wish answered. Life is good. I mean, how many people, when you stepped into a relationship at salvation, thought that now life is going to be a bed of roses? We go soon. We want all the promises of Jesus, don't we? We go soon. I like this. I, eternal life with him. That's going to be cool. He's going to bless me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Oh, that's great. I'm into that too. You know, I'm going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. My wife is never going to complain at me when I go fishing and everything. It's just going to be great. Okay? But Jesus, one of the promises that we miss, that the Bible teaches, in this life you will have tribulation. He told Timothy... Walk in my righteousness. You will be persecuted. Wait a minute. Why didn't I get that at the older call? <laughs> I would have liked to have had that information. It would have been informative. I could have said, well, wait now. Wait, wait, wait. I'm kind of in a trial right now. Do I really need to add to my trial? But when you think about it, the center of unbelief is a rejection of the word of God. It is a rejection of the person of God. What will you do to change that? You can't. It's impossible. Look at verse 44. Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. Okay? That's impressive. 
If I receive Jesus Christ, if I receive the word of God, then I have just received God. And it isn't a partiality. Well, I kind of like this part. I don't. No, 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 no. Verse 48. Wait a minute. Let's go with 45. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. Okay, that's what we call the incarnation. Why? What does God look like? Jesus. Okay, and I guess he wasn't much to look at. I mean, there wasn't anything that you would be, hey, you know, that looks like the Son of God. You know, that's kind of how I think the Son of God ought to look. Okay, I would say that he had Jewish characteristics. What do you want to bet? I'm just, just a guess. <laughs> just a guess. Uh, I, hey, you know, people ask me, what did he look like? I don't know. I don't have a clue. Verse 48, he who rejects me, how do you know they'll reject him? Look what he says. They do not receive my sayings. You know what the little Greek translation for that is? They will not receive my word. They won't receive my word. How will you know that they rejected? They won't receive the word. They you know, I don't care. You know, I got the Bible. So what? I see people today who carry scriptures and haven't got a clue what's in it. Why? I, I think it's, I remember before I got saved, I used to be a very, very bad man, but I used to carry a Bible around with me, sort of like a rabbit's foot. You know, and it, I, I don't know what was in it. I remember when it dawned on me that the, what do you mean there's two books in this? There's the old and the new. What's up with that? And then I remember reading four gospels and I said, well, why are we so stupid? We've got to repeat this story four times. Then it dawned on me. Yeah, we are. We're going to go through it four times and I'm going to show you how it looks in the book of Acts. All right. And then from there on, I'll show you what the church looks like. It's a piece of cake. And then here's the end of the book. Okay. I just never did understand that. Now, why do I give me all these genealogy things? Who are these people? Why would you name your kids names like that? Okay. I would rather have like Bob and Phil, Tom, Sally, Jane. Okay. Who, but, but do you see what I'm trying to get at? He didn't put it in there for you and I to say, hmm, wonder what's here is good and what's not. He's saying it's all good. All right. And any time that I see a person in unbelief, they will reject the word. And upon rejecting the word, I know they reject my Jesus. They reject my Jesus. They reject my God. Okay. You may be the point of attack because you brought it to bear. But you've got to understand you are only an ambassador of the king of heaven. And they don't like that kingdom. And if they don't like that kingdom, they're not going to like the ambassador. 44-45 shows us the relationship between the Father and the Son. You cannot have one without the other. I hear people today, and I am troubled at some of the stuff that I'm hearing out of conservative evangelicals, that there is a different way for Jews to get saved. Okay, and I've heard this. And some people are actually dumb enough to put it in print. Okay, even if you believe it, don't write it down. Okay? People are believing that there are multiple ways to God and it is a lie from the pit of hell. There are multiple ways to Christ. There's only one way to God. And if you say there's more than one way to God, then you've taken the son out of the equation and you've just divided the one God. Now it gets scarier than that. 
What do you do with the word? Because you can't separate God the Father, God the Son, and the book. You can't separate it. You can't, well, you know, I think that the red letter part is the really part, and anything other than that is added to. Really. Go to John 16, verse 12. Okay, this is what they call the upper room discourse. This had the Passover lamb. Jesus is getting ready to leave the upper room. He's going to go across the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives. He'll be arrested, beaten, and murdered. Okay, and he's kind of giving them, here's, here's what's up, dudes. Okay, of course, they're not figuring it out yet. Verse 12 says, I have many more things to say to you, but I cannot, you cannot bear them right now. That's why you have the rest of the New Testament. Why? You can't bear them right now. See, they were ready for a king. They were ready for him to go in and tell the Romans, go away, shoo, shoo, shoo. Okay, set up the throne, eternal kingdom, eternal throne of David, life is good. That's what they were expecting. It's what the Jews are expecting to this day. I had a chance to meet with a rabbi in Jerusalem. He's called the rabbi. His synagogue is right across the square from the Wailing Wall. Right across the square. Here's a guy from Brooklyn. That's just odd to run into a Jew. And he's from Brooklyn. You sound like you're from Brooklyn. I am. Okay. Uh, Then you're lost? What? Um, and yet he is the one who's setting the stage for what the Jews are going to believe in Jerusalem, and he believes in the Antichrist. What he described as Messiah, my Bible describes as the Antichrist. Identical picture. Now, I didn't tell him that. Okay, now I would if he's in Brooklyn. I ain't doing it in Jerusalem. Okay, well, hey, there's certain times God says, shh, go ahead. <laughs> and I, I learned that. I, am, I ain't going to condemn him here. <laughs> These everybody here's got guns, but me, um, and well, they do. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got a gun, and so you just okay. Uh, but see, that's the kind of stuff that you and I have to pay attention to. Why they are immersed in unbelief, and yet they'll tell you that they are students of the what? The book. They have a temple set up that is called the Dome of the Book, and inside it is the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I go in there and look at them. I can't read Hebrew, but I'm sitting there going, isn't that cool? But you know what is amazing about the Dead Sea Scrolls? 500 B.C., their text is the same as the 1611 King James on the book of Isaiah. Figure that out. I don't know how they do that. I can't get a sports writer on Sunday morning to agree. And yet here I can go from 500 B.C. to 1611. Actually, it was 1553 is when Calvin finished up the translation from uh, the German into the English. He gave it to John Knox, who was a reformer in Scotland. He gave it to a guy named Prince James. I seen the Bible. I held the Bible. It's a great big bugger. It's about like this. It's all wood. They didn't have backing in 1500s. And when I opened it up, I flipped it over, went right to Philippians chapter 2. I had a new King James translation. I took my finger and ran down. Other than that crazy King's English, it was verbatim. 1553. Why? God says, it's my word. Why? It is my word that will blow down the barrier of unbelief. But understand this, to fulfill scripture, there will be those who will not hear See, look at, back to uh, 12. I want you to look at 37 again. Because he says, Though he had performed so many signs before them, 
They were not believing in him. Okay? That is at the center of unbelief. They would not believe. Okay? Look at verse 39. For this reason, 40, he blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, so they could not see with their eyes or perceive in their hearts. There comes a time where they would not believe that he takes them to you cannot believe. Hebrews chapter 6 verses 4 through 6 says, They have tasted of it. They have tasted of the holy things. They've been exposed to the holy things. And yet, they reject the sacrifice. The Bible says, It is now impossible for them to come. Okay? You know what he's saying, right? I've given you the gospel. I've given you the church. I've showed you transformed lives. I've showed you the word of God manifest among individuals in your life. If you reject that, I've done everything I can do. Nothing can save you now. Why? How comprehensive is unbelief? How comprehensive? Now, I want to show you one last thing. There's a cause here. I want to show you something here that, you, that is scary that is for you and I today. Okay, most of us are in the belief selling business, right? I have this belief. Let me tell you about my belief. Okay, um, when people find out what I do, they say, "Well, you're a man of faith." I'll be honest with you. I am. I'll be almost fifty years old. I've never met a human being yet that has not faith. Ever. It just depends on what they put their faith in. Okay, I mean, people just put their faith in all kinds of idols. I think the Bible calls them. Okay, I put mine in one. All right, but here's, here's what I want you to think about, because this is for you and I. All right, 39, they could not hear. 40, they could not hear because God darkens it. God says enough is enough. Okay, where is that mark? I don't know. I don't have any idea where that mark is. Okay, these things Isaiah said because he saw the glory. Isaiah saw the coming glory. What was the coming glory? Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah understood it. He didn't grasp it completely but he said you know what there's something really cool coming okay why that will allow a man to go into a people who know the bible and they keep rejecting him rejecting him rejecting him and what keeps him motivated because he saw the glory it ain't about me it isn't about israel it isn't about these stubborn stiff-necked jewish people it isn't about the gentiles who will reject this is about jesus and his glory that's what it's for you and i We have to understand that. If you walk with Christ, fervently transformed, shining in the Shekinah glory, and the people reject you, you have still accomplished what God has called you to. That's amazing. You know what's neat about that? You can't mess this up. I like that. I can't mess this up. Why? He may use your testimony, your words, your life to add condemnation or harden somebody. He may add to that person a conviction that you don't get the privilege of seeing. Why? Who's driving the bus? God is. God is. God says, take it out. Take it out. As you're going, make disciples. I like that. 
You know, I've shared the gospel plan with people. Yeah, you got to understand you're a sinner. I believe I'm a sinner. you got to believe. I believe. And you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And He was raised on the third day, born of a virgin. you going to do that? Well, wait a minute. I have a wife. I have a mistress. Mistress. I'm making lots of money. I can deal drugs. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Can I wait? Listen, I had a guy tell me that. Sure. But if you start smelling sulfur, don't blame me. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? I mean, this was a friend of mine. I've known him for years and years. And he says, but wait a minute. I'm having a blast. And I don't think, you know, I'll keep this in the back of my, yeah, I like eternal life, but not right now. Verse 44, he believes in me, does not believe in me, but he who sent me. Don't separate God the Father, God the Son, nor the Word. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light unto the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. I get in trouble for this, and I beg your forgiveness if you don't like what I'm about to say. Show me scripturally where I'm wrong. Okay? I can spot Christians. Okay? Very simple. They're not in the dark. They're in the light. You know what that means, right? You can notice them. They're not in the gray. I'm over in the dim. No, you're not. No, you're not. Look at verse 43. They love the approval of men rather than the approval of God. There are people who will walk in the church. They're going to be in the church. They're going to be involved in the church. But you can look at their lives and guess what? You're in the darkness. Why? What approval do you look for? How many attaboys are you looking for? There are people who get close. But you know what? Paul warned a young church, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. They, they were concerned that they thought they were in God's judgment, the day of the Lord. Okay? They thought they were already in that thing. And they were having people arrested and killed. And they were thinking, this is bad news. And, and he says, no, 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 no. This isn't the day of the Lord. Why? We have to have the Antichrist, the son of perdition. Okay? And you'll also know this. And he goes through and he, just, he says, you know, he, he gives them, they're like thieves, okay? And they're crooked. And he says, here's what the lost people look like that are under, who are following Antichrist. Here's what saved people. And he says, and here's the problem with them lost people. They will not have a love of the word as to be saved. Now think about that for a second. They will not have a love of the word as to be saved. I didn't write that. Okay, why as a pastor is it my obligation to make men and women love the word? That's tough. Because the difference between a saved person and a lost person is a love of the word as to be saved. 
The Word was incarnate before these people. But they loved the the applause of men. Listen, I've had people call me Bible thumper, that I'm too radical. That's all you ever do. I've I've been called legalistic. I've been called this. I've been called that. And And from people that I've known before Christ. Okay? And I'll tell you, honestly, it hurts. It's, it hurts to have people who you were a very dear friend with and they say, you are too radical. I just as soon as I see you, you've turned into a, a crazy Bible thumper. You know what? You're right. I am a crazy Bible thumper. Let me give you a couple more verses and we'll wrap it up. Chapter 12, verse 41 says, These things were for whose glory? God's glory. God's glory. Romans chapter 6 says that you have been raised to walk in the newness of life. And we all like that, don't we? We've been baptized into his death, right? We've been immersed into his death and we can walk in the newness of life. But we miss the next phrase. To the glory of the Father. To the glory of the Father. You need to understand something. You're not your own. You've been bought and paid for with a price. Everything you do should be to the glory of the Father. I love that. I have a a, a 16-year-old, almost 17-year-old struggling in Spanish. Real hard struggling in Spanish. And I said, then it doesn't sound to me like you're doing your Spanish lessons to the glory of God. Because whether I'm eating or drinking or working or homework, I should be doing it to the glory of God. Why? Because I walk in the newness of life. Why? Because I have a love of the word to be transformed. But you know what's amazing about this? Even those who are perishing bring glory to God. You've got to get a hold of that. He is holy. Look at those and I'll prove it. Verse 46 says this, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. In verse 49, he says this, I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself has sent me and has given me a commandment as to what I am to say and what I am to speak. Jesus is saying, I'm here for one person's glory and it ain't mine. It's for the Father. See, Unbelief brings glory to God. That's hard for us. That's hard. That is so hard for us. And yet it does. We want to be Billy Graham. Come forward and 15 billion people walk down the aisle and we said, well, it's good. None of us wants Jeremiah's ministry. But yet, who will do it? Again, it goes back to spread the seed. Spread the seed. Okay, I want to just think about this for a second. You gather this day, you take time out of your lives. Maybe you have a, a blended home, it's a, 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 a unsaved spouse, and so you're separated for a time, maybe your kids aren't saved. You're taking precious time out of your life to come to worship with the saints, to fellowship with the saints. You take time during the day, you study your Bible, you deal with this, you deal with that. Sometimes it becomes very discouraging. Okay? Do you understand that your life becomes a transformation of the Word incarnate? Do you understand that it is possible that your life is going to be used to harden some from the Word? Jesus' life did. And Jesus says, I want you to be my followers. That's very possible. It's very possible. Do you understand that even if that is what you 
end up doing on occasion. And let me tell you something. You will if you're saved. Your life will harden some people against the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as you're walking down that path, understand, still to the glory of the Father. Still to the glory of the Father. No matter who rejects you, no, uh, no matter who receives your message, still to the glory of the Father. Understand. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy, last letter he wrote, difficult times will come. Okay? The end of the age, difficult times will come and people will not hear sound words. Okay, now I don't know where that is either, but you would think we would be getting close. Okay, people ask me, do I believe in the coming of Jesus is close? I do, but I do not base it on what everybody else bases it on. Okay, Israel's back. They're trying to get a temple. Nope, you know, Babylon is fallen. And, uh, nope, I didn't want to base it on. You know what I base it on? The condition of the church. The condition of the church. That's what I base it on. Okay, Isaiah went to those people and his question was, how long will you tolerate this? I, as a brother in Christ, as a pastor, find myself at times saying, how long will you tolerate this? Okay? Why? The church has slowly moved to a position where she literally is rejecting the word. Grab a hold of that. When you deal with a person who will not hear sound words, understand they're showing you unbelief. I don't care. I don't care if they've directed your Sunday schools. I don't care what they've done. I don't. That's not the issue. If they reject sound words of Scripture, they are saying, I do not believe the God of the book. And it isn't a a new plan. It started out in Genesis 3. Has God said? That's why you and I need to be diligent and rightly dividing truth. Why? So I know if they're lying to me or not. I mean, that's, that's the easiest. I'm thinking, nah, you didn't give me the truth. That's where we are today, brothers and sisters. But understand, be cheerful. Be joyful. Why? Jesus was. Why? Whose glory? God's glory. And when you hurt that friend's feelings and say, you know what? I don't think you're saved. If their response is anger to you, they probably aren't. If someone comes to me and says, the action that you are manifesting doesn't look biblical, guess what? I praise you for that. Thank you. Help me. But I want you to understand something. Unbelief is so comprehensive that they will reject it and they'll come to a place where God will say, enough is enough. You will not hear now. Okay? It is centered on man. It is centered on man. They love the approval of man rather than the approval of God. 
Okay? And the cause of it, I don't want not your God, nor your Savior, nor your book. Therefore, I want not salvation. Please, you who are saved this day, do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged. Please do not be discouraged. Okay? What you do is glory the Father. All right? If you sit there and you don't have time for the Word, back up square one. Back up square one. Paul contrasts lost and saved. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. You will know them. Why? They will not have a love of the Word as to be saved. It's a piece of cake. It isn't rocket science. Why? If it was rocket science, I can't handle it. Why? The gospel is so simple. The gospel manifests itself in the people, and it is always, 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 always tied to the book. Not separate from the book. So, we press on to the upward calling of Jesus Christ, to the glory of of the Father. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you for regenerate hearts, changed hearts, hearts of stone that are now hearts of flesh. Father, let us be workers that do not need to be ashamed, that we rightly divide truth. And Father, your word overwhelms us. Your word consumes us. Father, let our lives be manifestations of Christ before lost and dying people. Father, I just praise you for these precious souls. I praise you what you're doing in them. Father, I just, just a joy to be among your saints. Father, may we continue to labor for one another. Labor in truth. Labor in prayer. Labor in fellowship of the saints. So that, Father, when we all come together, people will say, that is a manifestation of Christ. That is what Christ looks like. Father, thank you for the privilege. To your glory and praise. Amen.